Welcome to the Clergy Wellness Podcast. I'm Reverend Nicole Riley, a clergy coach who helps you do one of the most important jobs there is without losing yourself. Right now I'm taking on new clients for the new year and I focus on clergy at all stages of growth and development. I work with clergy who are brand new, those who are mid-career and are looking for what's next, as well as those who are looking to finish up their ministry years well. I help clergy who need support, who also may need a little bit of information and help and insight and resources. And of course, there's times where I work with clergy who need a little kick in the pants. (laughs) So wherever you're at, I'd love to connect. All you have to do is reach out. You'll find my email address in the show notes. I will also be doing a new giveaway uh, for three sessions of free coaching, and that will happen the first of the year. So find me on social media and follow me there at Nicole Riley Coaching, and you can be part of that drawing. This is season two, episode 29, how to cultivate joy. If you're a new listener, welcome. I am so glad you are here. If you're a regular listener, thank you for spending your time with me. We'll also have a wellness practice of the week, what's making this week good, and a mindfulness meditation moment. So let's go ahead and jump in. So we are in the season of Christmas. Christmas isn't just a day, thank goodness. (laughs) That would be a lot of work for just a day. Christmas is a whole season. It is a season of exploring the Christmas story and what it means for us. I know when I was in the local church, one of the things I was super grateful for was that there was this season of Christmas. Uh, I usually would get to Christmas Day and then crash, and then that next week usually was pretty quiet in the local church, and I would enjoy the holidays. I would enjoy my tree. I would enjoy the music. I would even work to see if there was some time to connect with friends. Christmas is a wonderful season. Who doesn't love seeing the holidays through the eyes of children? We probably all have our stories about the children in our life or maybe even ourselves as a kid when we dealt with the excitement and the joy of the time. It is a beautiful time of the year for us as adults, but I think we also tend to have some mixed feelings in this season. I mean, for some of us, we get to the holidays and we're like, yes, I love this time of the year. And some of us are like, oh my gosh, already? And then some of us are like, oh, hell no. (laughs) Some of us find this to be a difficult season. And that might be because of your work in ministry. It might just make it just that much more complicated for you. But there's also just the human stuff that happens to us all, right? We might be dealing with the loss of a loved one, and it's just that much more real in this time. Or maybe we're just not in the Christmas mood. You ever had a year like that where you just could not get in the mood no matter what you did? It just seemed that the Christmas spirit was far away. Well, I want to talk a little bit about that today, but from a perspective of joy, Because a big part of the Christmas story is a story about joy, but not cheap joy. Joy really rooted in real life. Remember in the Bible, the story that we hear of that first Christmas and everything leading up to it 
has a bunch of people who didn't have perfect lives, who lived in times of great violence and loss and grief. This story and the stories around it, the main story of Jesus' birth and all the characters that we hear about in the story of Christmas, they're helpful to us. They're helpful to us because they're real stories of real people. I mean, the Bible lifts up a bunch of stories during this season. Zachariah and Elizabeth, and of course, Joseph and Mary, and then Simeon and Anna. You know, they were people who had significant difficulties. I mean, I think of Zachariah. He's really one of my favorite people in the Bible story um, of Christmas because an angel appears to him and he doubts the word of the angel. And then the angel becomes so pissed off about it that he is struck mute for nine months. Um, Zechariah is so real. He cannot imagine that at this point in his life, things are going to change. They haven't had children up until now. Why would it happen? When we look even at the biblical story before the story of Jesus' birth, we see this constant issue of people who want to believe, who who want to believe in the promises and the possibilities, but who are stuck in what is. One of my favorite scriptures for this time is Isaiah 65. So I want to spend just a little bit of time on it, and I'll start off with verse 17, and I'll go for a couple verses. Um, Isaiah 65 says, For I am about to create new heavens and new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. And be glad and rejoice forever in what I'm creating. For I'm about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people no more. Shall the sound of weeping be heard in it or the cry of distress? The Christmas story and this piece of Isaiah begins with that call for what's next and what's new. The text says new heaven and earth, and I think we all want it. We want a new day. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons we look forward to the new year. We would love to live in the time when love and life have full reign of the universe You know, historically, this text is set in a time where Isaiah is speaking to that remnant that's returning to their home after exile and they need something new. But human nature, we are often people who deal with the fact that we're kind of trapped in what has been. Isaiah is talking to people, calling them for what will be, calling them into joy at the new thing that God is doing. You know, the text says, But be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. I am to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard of it, the cry of distress. So when we talk today about joy, I'm not talking about cheap joy. I'm talking about a joy that's really rooted in this biblical understanding of joy rooted in the lives of people who lived in exile, who knew violence, who knew difficulty. God wanted them, I think, as God wants us to find joy in this time, to find joy in our lives. Joy is often missing, though, even for clergy, right? We tend to be pretty serious people and have a lot on our hearts and minds. As we become um, pastors of churches, we may start off with this expectation of what can be, but we may just experience seasons 
that are difficult, times of great loss. And then, of course, there's our personal lives where we deal with all the same things everybody else does. As I've been thinking about joy, I came across some research, and it's from the Institute of Neuroscience and Psychology at the University of Glasgow, and it was published in a journal called Current Biology. And it says that there are four foundational emotions for people. Three of them are negative. Fear, anger, sadness. And they believe there's only one foundational emotion that's positive, and that is joy or happiness. So what this means is that just biologically, we may as people have more room for fear and anger and sadness. They may be more of our default. Joy may be a little harder since it's just the one little piece there that's that positive emotion. And I think if we're going to find joy in this season and in the new year, we actually have to cultivate joy. We have to encourage joy. We have to seek it out. In the book of joy, joy is defined this way. It says exploring joy is nothing less than exploring what makes the human experience satisfying. Let me read that again. Exploring joy is nothing less than exploring what makes the human experience satisfying. I love that. Joy matters, and joy especially matters as we end one year, live in this season of the 12 days of Christmas, and look toward the next year. Cultivating joy and looking at that for our lives actually has a huge impact on us and how we experience life. It boosts our resilience and our well-being. It strengthens us. It gives us energy. Activist and scholar Joanna Macy explained this in a recent interview. She said, the most important thing to do is to find your gratitude for life. Take stock of your strengths and give thanks for what you have and for the joy that you've been given because that is the fuel. Isn't that interesting? That is the fuel. I would much rather have the fuel be joy, right, than these other three, fear and anger and sadness. Joy matters. Life is full of pain and loss. Maybe this year was a hard one for you. You may be in a time of fear and anxiety. But I think unless we find a way, unless we intentionally cultivate joy, both as clergy and as just average everyday people, life becomes too heavy for us. In our text from Isaiah, there's a couple more things I want to look at around joy that kind of gear me into what it looks like and helps me understand, uh, especially to the people he was writing to or speaking to. He writes, No more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days, or an old person does, that does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth, and one who falls short of a hundred years will be considered accursed. 
They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be. And my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. I mean, what beautiful words, right? What beautiful words. It paints a picture of what joy was like for these ancient people. I mean, their lives were short and they built houses and planted vineyards only be driven out by war. I mean, many people experience this today as well. Their work was as slaves, as laborers. It felt like it was in vain. Isaiah's dream about what joy is, is this new reality of what God wants for the world. You know, not infants that live for a day, but they live to be old. Not a person dying young, but living beyond a hundred. Not someone who builds a house, but someone who builds it and lives in it. Not someone who just plants the garden or the vineyard, but someone who gets to enjoy the fruit. Not someone who works in vain, but enjoys the work of their hands. And people who bear children, not for disaster and calamity, but are offspring blessed by the Lord. It's a dream of a beautiful world. There are actually lots of things worth celebrating. You know, we we live in a time and we live in news cycles where we just see how much negativity there is and so joy can feel very far away. But there's this, this great book called Factfulness that lifts up the good things that have gone on. And one of the things I saw, I was looking through and, and kind of seeing what what are the good things that have happened? And this lists things from 2019 forward. And it says that there's been great strides in things, diseases like cystic fibrosis, great strides in things like caring for cancer. I mean, I know the drug I am on was discovered in 2020. There's great help for people with HIV. They're even making progress now in people who have dementia. This book said that 200,000 people around the world were lifted above the $2 a day poverty line. And more than 300,000 people got access to electricity and clean water. So these are some things to know. These are some things to remember. Now, it doesn't mean we don't have a long way to go. We sure do. But we can find joy in the midst of what is too. You know, I was thinking about my life and this year. You know, it's that time of the year where we tend to do that, reflect on where we're at. And I was thinking about, you know, this is a year that I lost both of my dogs and my dad was very ill all year and passed in October. And there was a lot of things that were not great. And it, it's easy to focus there. It really is. But I was thinking about what are some of the things I've noticed? What are some of the the joyful things you know, and, and for me, this is now a whole year that I've been on this miracle drug for my blood cancer. And it's been amazing. I mean, I almost feel back to myself. Now, I know that might not always be true, but it is right now. I find that one of the best practices in cultivating joy is actually to rehearse the good things of the day. When I go to bed at night, one of the things I do is I'm falling asleep is I, I think about this past day and what were the good things, rehearse them, enjoy them, say thanks for them. You know, joy is God's dream. It's God's dream for his people. We hear that in this scripture. 
the life God wants for us isn't one of drudgery and toil and exhaustion and violence. God desires us to find joy, to find pleasure in life, to experience the abundant life Jesus came to give us, even in those times that are really hard. The text from Isaiah 65 ends this way. Um, Before they call, I will answer. While they're yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, but the serpent, its food shall be dust. (laughs) They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountains, says the Lord. They're beautiful words. They're words that are dreams of peace that come out of the violence of war. It is a dream of joy for the people who knew suffering and hopelessness. Joy is connected to a couple things, I think, for us as clergy and followers of Christ. Joy is connected to our connection with God. And then also the peace that that brings us. Isaiah knows, as do we, that things often, they don't go according to plan. We can have our hearts set on how things should go in our church, in our life, in our family, and it doesn't work out. But what can root us and give us joy is our connection to God. God is with us in the midst of it all, and that gives us the strength we need. You know, Isaiah, he was dreaming a big dream, wasn't he? Joy, the time of violence, suffering is always a big dream. But it was a dream because he knew that despair and hopelessness could not win. I think that's a lot of what the season of Christmas is about, right? We hear all these songs during Christmas. I mean, songs from the Bible, songs that are spoken by different biblical characters. You know, Mary, she has her song, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And she says these words that are about what joy looks like for her. He's filled the hungry with good things. He's come to help his servant Israel and remember his promise of mercy. These are the things that Mary lifted up as things that brought her joy. Zechariah, you know, my favorite, Zechariah, he says, Blessed be the God of Israel who has Come to the chosen people and set them free. In his tender compassion, the dawn will shine from on high above us. And it will shine on those who dwell in darkness and in the shadow of death and guide our feet in the pathway of peace. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful dream from someone who was living in a very broken world. You know, one of the characters we don't talk a lot about, he kind of gets forgotten in this season, is Simeon. You know, he's in uh, Luke chapter 2 toward the end of the story, and he says, Now let thy servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared before the face of all people to be a light, to enlighten the Gentiles, and to be the glory of the people Israel. Now, these are very real people in our scriptures, Mary and Zechariah and Simeon. They were living in the normal sadness 
and despair that is part of everybody's life. And in the midst of it, they looked to God and they looked to the joy that could be. So what comes up for you as we talk about joy today? Do you have a sense of how you might cultivate some more joy in your life? You know, I think that we have to do this work as pastors. Um, I will always remember going to church when I was on, um, probably my first five years of ministry, I was on vacation and I, I visited a church on my Sunday off and the pastor, he looked so redeemed. (laughs) He was, he was happy and joyful and light. And I thought, you know what? I don't, I don't look like that in my local church. I'm, I'm like way down. I'm like, uh, distressed. I'm, I'm worried. Joy was missing. It sometimes is. We fall into it easily. But how might you this year, in this new year, cultivate joy and give it more prominence in your life? I wonder what life would look like for us all if instead of thinking of all the things that could go wrong and should go wrong and do go wrong, we spent some time each day and cultivated joy. wellness practice of the week. This is where I share with you something that you can do this week to increase your wellness. Now, there are some amazing foods that come into our home during this season, and you may be someone who can resist them all. If you are, God bless you. But if you are not someone who can resist them all, wellness practice I'd like to share is looking at them together as a family and deciding what's going to stay and what's going to go. Sometimes it's hard to let go of things if people have sent them to us. You know, you may love the fudge or the brownies or the cake or the cookies that come from people you love and care about. But as we move through Christmas, there may be an expiration date on them. I mean, not literally, but it may be that it's time to send them to a friend's house. (laughs) What kind of friend are you if you do that, though, in my life, my husband uh, has a job where he works with a lot of young people. So we tend to send all the things there. So what is it that maybe through the Christmas holiday you loved and enjoyed and it was wonderful, but now as you're looking at the last week of the year, you're thinking maybe it's time to, to get rid of the rest of it. Maybe it's time to share it with somebody who enjoys us. Maybe it's time to get rid of it totally because it's not healthy or helpful as I go into the new year. So making decisions about holiday food is a wellness practice for this week. What is making this week good? This is the part of the episode where I talk about what I'm enjoying with hope that you'll notice those good things in your week too. So I am enjoying probably what you are enjoying, the sights and sounds and smells of the holiday season, whether that's beautiful tree, uh, wonderful music, some special food and drink, the lights. There's so many wonderful things that make this week good in this time of year. And so as this is the last week of the year, I invite you to enjoy to enjoy it all. Sometimes we get in a rush to take it down, to put it away. But 
I think until at least the end of the year. And for some of us, we go all the way till Epiphany to enjoy what is, to enjoy the lights, to enjoy the candles, to enjoy the smells, to enjoy whatever it is that makes the season special. And I know I just talked about getting rid of the extra food, but that may not be where you're at. You may be enjoying that too. So what's making this week good? Enjoying all the things that make the season so special. Mindfulness Meditation. This is the part of the episode where we take a moment just to be a little more present. So, I invite you to relax in whatever way that makes sense to you. To be a little more present in your body, which might be taking a deep breath. Noticing any tension in your shoulders, your back, your jaw. Looking around and grounding yourself in what is around you. And I invite you to remember who you are. You are God's beloved. And remember in whose image you are created. You're created in the image and likeness of God. So I have a quote for us today. And this is uh, from Pablo Picasso. He said, Everything you can imagine is real. Everything you can imagine is real. An interesting thought as we end one year and look toward another. So may you know these words and may they give you life. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you. I invite you to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Follow me on Instagram and on Facebook at Nicole Riley Coaching. Find out how to work with me as a clergy coach, a life coach, and a social media manager at NicoleRiley.com. You can also find my email address in the show notes. My book is Expanding the Expedition Through Digital Ministry, and it's on Amazon. And today I invite you to make the important choice to embrace a life of wellness. See you next week.